This special episode of What Works is brought to you by Mighty Networks. Mighty Networks makes it easy to bring your community, content, and courses all together under one roof. When you start your Mighty Network, you're creating a space for your community to connect to each other and for them to learn and grow together. Your Mighty Network makes it easy for you to support them too and share what you know, all while creating a sustainable, steady stream of income. To learn more about Mighty Networks, go to Mighty Network. Leading a business can be lonely. And I noticed just how disconnected business owners were when I started my very first website way back in 2009. That website was a blog about makers and artists in Pennsylvania. I wrote about their stories and shared products that caught my eye. The blog was relatively popular, but the real magic of it wasn't in what I was writing about. The magic was in how it connected people who didn't know anyone else who was trying to make a go of turning their ideas into a business. Those people could connect on my website. They could connect in an early iteration of what Facebook groups have become, and they could even connect in person. And even though I haven't written for that blog in over a decade... I know there are still people from that community who support each other as business owners. They are less lonely because of the connections they made through that simple website. I'm Tara McMullen, and you're listening to What Works, the show that digs deep into what's really working to run and grow a small business today, from how we market and manage to how we prime our mindset for success. Now, after I handed that blog off to other people and started down the path of business coaching and education, I noticed that not only were small business owners a lonely bunch, I noticed that our isolation often led to missing information, confirmation bias, and unhelpful assumptions. And that's what's really led to how I've structured my business from there on out. I have been creating the structure to connect small business owners to each other for the last 10 years. I build containers, see what works, and then evolve. From Kickstart Labs to Quiet Power Strategy to What Works, I've endeavored to help entrepreneurs find the support they need and the support they crave. I've seen firsthand how, yes, the emotional support of the right people can make all the difference in whether you press on or whether you quit. But even beyond the huge help of emotional support, I've seen how the right people can open your eyes to new ideas, how it can help you check your assumptions and self-limiting beliefs. I've seen how support can help you set new goals and find your focus. I believe we all need to find our support as small business owners, and I believe that support comes in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes it's the people we hire to work for us. Other times it's our families. Sometimes it's the professionals we engage with, and other times it's the colleagues who call us on our own bullshit. All this month, we've looked at the challenges and the opportunities that small business owners face in getting the support they need to feel confident and prepared. We've looked at mental health support, we've examined peer support, and we've dug into coaching. This week, we asked four of our community members to share times when they've experienced a profound sense of support, and I'm thrilled with how each of them shared a different form of support. Rebel Therapist founder Annie Schusler shared how being honest and vulnerable with her peers has made a huge impact on her and her business. Business coach Justine Clay shared how a year-long program and accountability partner helped her get a new business off the ground. Voice coach and Speakeasy Collective founder Michelle Marquardt-DeVoe shared how her team supports her and has helped her see herself and her role in a new way. 
And Coach Lee Johnson brings it all home by sharing how important different types of support and mindset about support was key to the growth and then exit from her last business. As you listen, I encourage you to think about the support you already have available to you, because it's probably more than you realize on a daily basis. And I also want you to think about what support you might need to call on more or find new structure for. All right, let's kick things off with Annie Schusler. As I mentioned, Annie is the founder of Rebel Therapist and the host of a podcast by the same name. Her goal is to help healers and therapists build businesses beyond the treatment room so they can make a bigger impact. And Annie deals with an issue that I've also dealt with, how to ask for help when you're the one who is supposed to have it all together. It can be hard to get support for my own business. When I'm struggling with an offer not selling the way I had hoped or with a tough decision, I worry that I'll look like I don't know what I'm doing. As a business coach, I'm supposed to have all the answers. So when I'm in the middle of a launch, I get anxious, not only about what the numbers are going to be, but also what those numbers will say about my ability to help people with their businesses. When I'm struggling, I first need to have my personal reaction with my inner circle. I need a place to let my feelings out and to feel unconditional love and respect. That inner circle includes my close friend, Karen, who I call my work wife because we share the intimate truths about our businesses with each other. During one particular launch a couple years ago, I was feeling insecure and unsure about whether I would hit the minimum number I wanted to. We were hanging out like we do every Friday. We were parked in front of my house in her car and I let it all out. I told her I was questioning myself because I'm supposed to know everything about launching and that if I didn't hit the number I was hoping to hit, it would mean that I don't know what I'm doing. She asked me to slow down and she helped me put this moment in context. She let me freak out with no shame, but she also challenged me about my binary thinking. Either I'm perfect or I'm a failure. Either I've built a perfect business or I should quit. And she helped me see that the way I was thinking was making it really hard to see reality. What's sort of weird is that that launch actually worked out in the end. I did hit my number and that was such a lesson about how much misery I can create for myself. I really need people like Karen who I can share my insecurities with. I also need regular feedback and support structured into my business. I've got a circle of colleagues I meet with regularly. Some of them I meet with in groups and some one-on-one. And we cut to the chase about what's the most challenging. We celebrate each other's wins, but we also get right to the difficult stuff. They ask me tough questions, and I don't take every suggestion they give me, but even getting the wrong suggestion helps me figure out what direction I do want to go in. And with these colleagues, we allow things to be messy. It takes a lot of trust to do that, and it's totally worth it. When they share their struggles with me, I find I actually trust them more rather than less. And I want to refer to them because I really know them. Having these supportive relationships makes me feel more comfortable sharing my mistakes and insecurities with my audience. So I do that now. 
My fear was if I talk about mistakes, people are going to think I don't know what I'm doing. But so far, that's not been the case. It seems to actually be building more trust and connection with the people who need my help. I don't share with my audience when I'm in the middle of a struggle because boundaries and I need to take care of myself before I spew. But when I'm ready, I do share. I don't really want an audience of people who need me to be perfect or to have all the answers. I want an audience of people who want to learn and grow with me. No matter how much you might need or even crave support, if all you ever let people see is how much you've got your shit together, you won't get any support. I have learned that the hard way, just like Annie. Letting go of the shiny veneer has been a huge help to me, even if it's something I struggle with often. Next up, I want to introduce you to Justine Clay. Justine is a business coach for creative entrepreneurs and freelancers. Justine shares how powerful investing in yourself and your support can be. I actually didn't start getting support until I started my second business uh, in 2010. I had, in fact, been a creative business owner uh, since 2006. But my first business was... um, doing the same that I had done for somebody else. So I had basically taken the same business model, uh, the same marketing activities, the same target client, and sort of done what I had been taught to do by somebody else. And that worked just fine. But when I started my second business in response to a need I saw after the 2008 recession, which was coaching creative professionals instead of representing them, which is what I had done up until then, I really understood that I needed help. I was starting a new business in an entirely new industry. It was an entirely new business model. Uh, I was not known at all. I had no credibility in the coaching world, um, whereas I did have a reputation in the talent management world. And I realized that I really didn't know what I was doing and I could figure it out. But since I was still running my other business, I was essentially running one and building another. I knew that my progress was going to be painfully slow. And in fact, when it was still my side business and I was kind of just trying it out to see if it was viable, that was fine. But once I realized it was viable, I knew that if I wanted to grow it, I had to get support. And so I did some research and I enrolled in my first ever uh, coaching program. And it was a, a group coaching program, a big program. There was probably at least 100, 200 people in this program. And um, it was mostly remote, but it had uh, two in-person, two-day sessions, um, just in Stanford, Connecticut, but it still meant I had to go away for a couple of days to attend these sessions. And I got there, and of course, I was feeling quite nervous and quite intimidated, but I immediately just felt so delighted to be in this enormous room. And, you know, it was one of those big ballrooms in a, a, I don't know, a Marriott in Stanford, Connecticut or something. So not particularly inspiring surroundings, but just to be around all of these like-minded entrepreneurs who were there to learn and to grow and to connect just felt um, like it was money well spent already. And over the course of that year, I really got a real mix of uh, community support, uh, very specific guidance and instruction on how to build a business um, in, a, in a different way. And one of the best things was I was paired up with an accountability partner that I spoke to every day. Uh, those were the requirements. And um, it was really amazing. She was based in Germany and I was based here in the US. But 
it, it was so amazing to have someone to say, hey, I need to do this thing. What, what, what should I do? And she would say, well, I've done that before. Here's how you can do that and vice versa. And just to have someone uh, to run website copy by and to say, oh, I don't know. I think you need to do this. Um, it, was, it was a game-changing experience. And I remember it was really the most money I'd ever invested in my business. I think it was about $10,000. And that was a huge leap of faith, but it really was a game changer for me. And I remember within three months of joining this 12-month program, I had not only made back my investment, but and then some. And I had not really expected that to happen until at least the end of the program. So I made a decision there and then that I would always invest in myself and invest in my business. And I have ever since. I've, I've looked at spending that money and finding the right community and finding the right mentorship, um, which obviously changes as your business changes. Um, I've, I've made that a priority and I've just seen that as being a cost of doing business and that that's money well spent as far as I'm concerned. Uh, as a result, every year my business has grown. Every year I have you know, become more profitable and every year I've become more uh, confident in not only the mastery of what I do as a coach, but just the mental game of it. It's that that it's so valuable to have someone or a group of people around you that can really support you and hold that space for you where you can um, feel weak or unsure or not confident. So needless to say, uh, the What Works Mastermind communities uh, have done that for me too, and I value it greatly. And so as a result, I would say that my business continues to grow and I continue to grow as a, a person as well as a professional. While peer support like Annie shared has been immensely helpful to me, personally, I've often found it difficult to call on or create structure for it. But investing in support the way Justine did has meant that I don't have to work as hard to get the support that I need. Now, I don't think one is better than the other, and I certainly don't think one can or should replace the other. But it's valuable to see how both can contribute to creating the support network you need to succeed. Now, let's change direction a bit. Peers, programs, and accountability partners are not the only ways we can get support or find people to create with. You can hire them too. Yep, my team is a huge support to me. Sure, they help me get the work done, but they're also there to help me improve on ideas, catch my blind spots, and help me rally when things feel hard. Michelle Marquardt DeVoe is the founder of Faith Culture Kiss Studios for voice and acting, as well as the founder of the Speak Easy Cooperative, which helps people who run voice related businesses grow and thrive. Michelle shares how building her team has helped her to focus on her strengths and find support in building the business she dreams of. I really have grown a lot by adding team members, and it was the scariest part for me to add team members because you have now obligations to other humans in your world. You have commitments that you need to make to other people financially and in terms of management and support. But I found that the more that I invested in my team financially and emotionally, the more they were able to invest in me. And they would ask me, what do you need? And I had to learn how to ask for what I needed. So now I'm a little bit better at asking for specifics about what I need. In addition to that, it's made me a lot better about asking what I need from my clients and asking what I need from people in my life. So like my husband and my kids and my parents who are all part of this kind of ecosystem of my business, 
making me able to create my business and run my business the way that I find is most effective. How it's changed uh, my behavior and my business is that now I don't try to do everything myself. I, I, I call this the Midas touch myth, right? When we think we have to do everything ourselves in order for our businesses to be successful or our businesses um, to bring conversions or whatever that thing is that you feel like if you are not the person doing it, then it's just not going to work. Um, adding team members and asking for specific help around things that I was telling myself I had to do in order for sales to happen or in order for my business to be as high touch as my brand, I want my brand to be, uh, really let me let go of some of the lower level tasks that I was doing so that I could truly serve all of my clients by being more of a visionary and less of a hands-on person. And I know that sounds a little counterintuitive, but when you look at uh, my strengths and you look at what I'm good at, it was actually me doing a disservice to people by trying to be in the mud, trying to be in the minutiae as much as I was. And now I know that I can ask people to do minutiae-based things for me that they actually find joyful, they find exhilarating, and they find gives them purpose because that's what they enjoy doing. And that frees me up to do what I'm best at, which is supporting them in their tasks that they love to do and also creating new projects and new um, visions for where we're going to go, which is what I do best as well. So that's it. That is a support story. Ask for what you need and learn how to ask for it. And don't be shy The worst thing that can happen is someone will say, no, I can't do that for you. We're going to close things out today with a story that underlines just how important finding support can be in the life cycle of our businesses. I met Lee Johnson as the founder of She Loves Life Over 50, but before that, she was the founder of a recruitment company. Lee offers the story of how different forms of support, self-inquiry, and self-care helped her build and grow that company, as well as how they helped her recover from a serious bout of burnout and how they helped her get ready for an exit. Working as a solopreneur has its own challenges of being alone at the top. I'd also like to reflect on a business that I founded in 2004. I established a successful recruitment company that delivered services to the government and public sector. And that business ticked along uh, quite well for a number of years. I'd always decided that I didn't want to be in the business long term. And so I had a view that to be sustainable, it needed a general manager. And that's what we did. So we engaged a general manager and we set up a board structure to replace the previous more informal business advice services that I'd had. So with the board structure and a general manager in place, Grant and I took off overseas backpacking around the Caribbean and Mexico and Central America for six months. It was fabulous. But we got back to find that our general manager wasn't being successful, had lost the confidence of the business and just hadn't seemed to be able to grow into the role and the opportunity that we'd offered him. And we also discovered a significant fraud that really happened under his watch. So we let him go and that's when Grant and I stepped back into the business. He working as the operations manager, looking after systems and IT and structure and also chairing the board, monthly board meetings. And myself as the sales lead and really engaging again with clients and leading the sales consultants. 
However, in 2013, it all crashed for me as I fell headlong into a deep depression. Um, it was a culmination of burnout, along with the loss of my oldest friend uh, to pancreatic cancer, which happened very suddenly. My first grandchild was born prematurely and died. And then my mother was suffering um, very badly um, with dementia. And all that, I think, just got too much for me. And I, and I couldn't cope. And I just crashed into the deepest, darkest hole that I can never understand. So it took me uh, a long time to work through that. And one of the key decisions I made um, was that I needed to resign from my position in the day-to-day -day operations of the business. That was an extremely difficult decision. It meant that it left Grant in charge and he began to feel very lonely at the top because it left him to run the operation and rely on our senior staff to take the sales leadership. But he felt responsible. Things were tough and he felt that he would be responsible if the business failed. And after lots of conversations and talking around it, uh, we came to the conclusion that he was not responsible, that the two of us as the directors and shareholders were the ones that held the responsibility, that if the business did fail, then it was on us and not on him. So I started, I did make a recovery. He continued to run the business and we brought in some more support at board level. So we brought in a senior strategic advisor who had been involved in establishing and working through exit strategies with businesses and also brought in an independent director who was a specialist in our industry. And we developed uh, an exit strategy. And so over three years, we fulfilled the goals of and plans of that exit strategy, which was about growing the business so it was better situated for a purchaser, more attractive to a purchaser. And we was also brought in a key plan which was to gift each of the staff members a share and that meant the load was carried evenly or more evenly across the business. They were also aware that the business would be sold and that their share would have a value on the successful sale. So that engaged um, them in the process and also created a lot of loyalty. And while we gave away 10% of our business it is actually what helped make the, the exit possible. The key people that we brought in were also critical to ensuring that we got the end result that we needed. So a year ago we, we were able to exit the business and now we live in our little beach house, uh, a simple life and I work part time in my online business. And though it is a lonely pursuit working as a solopreneur in an online business, I really value the support I get from my friends I've made who are also doing similar things and joining the Mastermind, the forum group from the What Works Network has been key for me in this year and knowing that I have lots of sisters um, across the world and particularly in the US who are doing similar things. So I'm definitely not feeling alone as much as I was previously. Today I work very hard to take care of my well-being and health and balance that with the work that I do to help others and that's working for me. Support really does come in all shapes and sizes. Sometimes we go looking for it, 
Other times, it shows up unexpectedly. But no matter how support presents itself, if you want to feel less on your own as you build your business, you have to say yes to support. And that's what all of our guests had in common today. Special thanks to Annie Schusler, Justine Clay, Michelle Marquardt DeVoe, and Lee Johnson for sharing their stories. What Works is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafelt. Production assistance by Kristen Runvik and Shannon Paris. Find over 280 more episodes of What Works at explorewhatworks.com.